0: Radio يو يشير من مخنخ
1: Shalom and welcome to another edition of Parsha Talk. I'm Rabbi Elliot Malamand, Highland Park, New Jersey, the Highland Park, Conservative Temple Congregation, Anshay Ahmed. And joining me, my good friends, Rabbi Barry Chesler, Salman Schechter, Day School, Long Island. Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanowski, Anshay Chesed, New York City. We are recording this. It's now day 110, 111 of the uh, the war we are praying for the return of the hostages very difficult days we've said this uh, every week as we have started this uh, year basically this new seat this new year of of the torah reading our minds our thoughts our prayers are with the hostages and their families and with the soldiers of the idf may god protect them bring them all home soon soon and safely we're talking about Parshat b'shalach this week Really, one of the critical parshas in the Torah, because this is the—I the, I guess you could say this is the climactic moment of the Exodus, where they finally put Egypt behind them. They—spoiler uh, alert—they—they they make it to the Sea of Reeds, and they cross through the Sea of Reeds, uh, Yam Suf. They make it to the other side, and so there is a a, bo- a body of water, a boundary that will separate Israel from Egypt, and it will be final that is to say their 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 coming out of Egypt will be will have been completed. Um, and the, the 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 scene is filled with with drama with tension. I want to do this as a, a kind of anatomy of a scene the a few critical verses in chapter 14 before the splitting of the sea uh, where the people are discovering that Pharaoh, and the chariots are are surrounding them. they've caught up with them. Pharaoh has had a change of heart uh, he wants to come come and get them back uh he's chasing after them and the people see this and I'm I'm gonna pick it up from chapter 14 uh, verse uh, verse verse 10 Pharaoh Pharaoh is getting closer Israel is looking upwards. And Egypt is coming after them. They are scared. They scream to God. Then they turn to Moshe. Was it for a lack of graves in Egypt that you took us to die in the desert? What did you do to us to take us out of Egypt? this is the thing that we told you in Egypt saying let's let'll we'll keep working we'll keep being slaves in Egypt it's better for us to be slaves in Egypt to die in the desert so okay but
0: you know listening right to read this passage it strikes me that the critical part of it are the words that are missing. Because they first cry out to God, and the Torah doesn't tell us, but I think it's absolutely true, God does not answer. And okay. so now they yell at Moses. All if, right, so let's go. They it. feel themselves abandoned by God. And if they're abandoned by God, they may as well be back in Egypt.
1: So, all right, so then Moses turns to them and says, do not be afraid, stand up. Uru'u et at Adonai, look at the salvation of God, asher yaseh lachem hayom, that he will do for you today, ki asher ri temed Mitzrayim hayom, because you've seen Egypt today, lo tosifu lirotam od olam, od ad olam, you're never going to see them again. Adonai lachem lachem, batem takarishun. So God is going to wage war for you, now be quiet.
0: Right, but I just have to add here that it's easy for Moses to say, because he has an intimate and direct relationship with God. All right. It doesn't so, necessarily help the Israelites who do not. So you know, here's
1: I, what I want to do. I want to go, let's go around the the this, the the, right. the characters here, okay? And I wanna I wanna try and get into the mindset of of the different units or the characters. We have we have here the people of Israel, we have God, we have Moses, we have Pharaoh. Pharaoh may be the easiest one to to deal with, to to set aside. You know, this character, what 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 is motivating Pharaoh? What's 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 driving Pharaoh here, if you will? I think well, Pharaoh is Captain Ahab. Okay.
0: He's obsessed. He sees his world crumbling before him because the key to his success has been the enslavement of the
1: Israelites. I would go with humiliation. That that he's—I mean—I I agree with you, but I would say that there's a layer of humiliation. He's been duped. He's been—he's been tricked. If we follow that theme from from previous weeks, where you know that this is there was a setup here, and they left, and and it wasn't exactly clear what the conditions were going to be. They wanted to leave. They they said they wanted to worship, and he's coming after them, and he's having a change of heart, and and. The change of heart is, is rooted in humiliation. And and I mean humiliation is a great motivator of human behavior, right? I mean, I don't know what you yeah, think, yeah. Jeremy. Yeah, no, I
2: think that's right. I mean, we talked beforehand about uh, the Hamibly Kvarim it was the lack of lack of graves in Egypt. I and mean, people say Ma Laru. Mazot Asita. Pharaoh also says, oh, What have you done? Mazot Asinu ki shilachnu at Israel. Shilachnu. What did we, what were we thinking when we released all these juicy slaves? So we are mighty enough to get them back. I mean, and avenging humiliation. I mean, uh, in political life, I, th- I think we can look at, see lots of examples. Lots of examples. That, that a pie in the face is certainly a motivator for people to just, you know, hold, t- take no prisoners and never, ever, ever forget a grudge and so pharaoh is is like i i just got i just got my my butt kicked i gotta i gotta get back in the fight
1: yeah i mean there there is there's there's a sense that this is a driver for him that that there is humiliation there's- and there's there's a sense that that power all of his power is going to to be lost and in and, and he's waging a war now against the god of Israel who he really doesn't know and and who he thinks is like all the other local gods, local or you know people's gods that he could vanquish? Because after all, Egypt, Egypt in the Bible, in the biblical imagination, is power, um, power and wealth and ruthlessness, ruthlessness. Rootless and and but and, you
0: know,
2: I, just thinking about um, the the uh, the multiple different calculations. I mean, part of What's going on for, for Israel right now, obviously, I'm on the side of, of those who hope that Hamas is militarily destroyed, and we also have to take into consideration the enormous diminishment of the, uh, what, what's that word, the uh, the deterrent capacity of yeah. Like Tzahav's d- deterrent capacity to scare the pants off its enemies has distinctly been damaged, Right. So you can see Pharaoh having the same conversation with his with his It's it like, oh my God, every every you know runty group of slaves think that they can stand up to Pharaoh now. We better we better put an end to this.
1: I think I think that this is you know one of the one of the narratives of the current conflict, which is that they never expected this. They were they were duped. And um and there's tremendous humiliation in that. And it's it's bitter bitter and it's also painful because it costs so many lives. I mean we're you know it's it's now twelve hundred people killed plus another two hundred and something soldiers and and um it's um it's deeply deeply painful you know in, in the in the in the truest sense of the of the word. Barry you want to all right. no no so so okay so so we have Pharaoh with the sense of humility. Let's let's turn to the people of Israel. Um and I wanna I want to try and and leap with empathy into their lives, and I, I want to tee it up by saying they they've been behaving so beautifully up until now. <laughs> they they went out of Egypt without a peep, uh, not a word was said. They did everything that they were supposed to do, and 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 more so. Uh, I think they left on an empty stomach, and I think they baked their bread the following day. I think they managed. I think they. They took a sigh of relief, you know, once they left. Um, but now, now they're 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 being chased. The waters in front of them. They they say this statement. I, I wanna say, on the one hand, it's it's actually funny. Okay, I mean if we're we're not for lack of graves in Egypt that you took us in Egypt. I think that, you know, there's the ground zero of Jewish humor there. But it's also searing. It's it's just piercing in terms of uh you know it's ironic sarcastic bombastic annoyingness I mean and on the one hand I I, I wish they would have said something else on the other hand what else was there for them to say and
2: how but, would you you, you got, but you got. To, you, you first of all I want to note that when you said it's searing yes Siri on my phone just woke up. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> I gotta
1: move this bone. <laughs> exactly. So, how would you characterize the? You gotta the... read
2: verse twelve. Go, go to read verse twelve because verse eleven, as you said, it's it's got a snarky humor, but verse twelve really nails it to the
1: wall. This is the thing we told you.
2: So, so maybe, menun,
1: be, go ahead I'm sorry for interrupting adami misrahim, we, stop, we, we, should, we should still be working in Egypt so the, it's better,
2: better, we should, better we should be slaves in Egypt and serve the Egyptians rather than die in the, in the wilderness uh, first of all so maybe verse 12 indicates that they haven't been behaving so well until now we haven't really seen it the the people have said Moses you made it worse for us but then then the plagues started coming and you know, we can imagine the people gathering some strength, but verse twelve suggests that we said to you back in Egypt, we didn't really want to do this. And the, I think throughout the entire Torah, you know, here in Shemot and and in Bamidbar, uh, Leviticus doesn't really have these conversations, and and Deuteronomy doesn't either. But in Exodus and and Numbers, the thing that is guaranteed to enrage God is to say, I want to go back to Egypt and be a slave. I, I want, I want because to it back.
1: negates the entire ethos of the whole Torah, exactly. Exactly. right? And and so, but I would not even go further, which is to say, you know, we we've talked about this in previous uh, sessions, where you know the the at the end of the Torah, choose life, choose life, and of course, you know, we we've we have a long association with with that. Remember teaching back in the old days, where we said, be you know, be a blessing, be holy, choose life. This is these are the three major statements in the Torah. If you could, you make it as a theme, and. And in some way, this what they say here goes against the entire ethos of the whole Torah because they're, they're not saying we choose death, right? They're saying, no, 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 no. We don't want to die here in the desert. We want to go back and live as slaves. And so, you know, the ironic reading of this is, well, if, to live as a slave is to live as a dead person. So you're choosing death, really.
0: Yeah. I want to-, I want to Well, like- no, I think that you're a little bit harsh I'm a harsh. I think that the uh, people are going between a feeling of helplessness and hopelessness, and you know, we I think have this image of Moses, perhaps as Charlton Heston, um, and there would be good reason for having that image, but the Moses that the Israelites knew was not this great figure; he was this shepherd who had access to God. But Moses himself doesn't really do all that much. And now imagine the scene. You've been walking all day, and you hear this noise. You turn around, and you see the dust clouds of chariots. And at best, you have foot soldiers who don't know how to fight. Yeah. So where is the strength to think that oh yeah this is no problem for moses and our god it is a problem we're outmatched and god has not answered us and moses is a shepherd he's not
1: a general so i want to i want you you have a lot of empathy for the slaves for the israelites there you're saying i don't blame them i don't blame them for for feeling what they're feeling
0: Yes, I I think we have to have it, and let's face it: were we back there, we would be with Bene Israel; we would not be Moshe.
2: Okay, well, I'm going to turn uh, wait, to you. I, before, let's not leave this for one thing. I I want to want to quote you a great passage by Nachmanides, the the biblical author. He's, he's paraphrasing a midrash. Um, the the in the next verse, when Moses says to people, "Don't be afraid, stand still; God will save you," and as you have seen. The Egyptians today, you will never see them again. So Ramban quotes uh, a passage in the Mechilta that says, you will never see them again, is not a, a, a prophecy of salvation, it is a normative mitzvah. What does that mean? Uh, you know, you always want to, I think, in my humble opinion, as an interpreter of this religion, it's, it's not only a sort of a story that is told, it is a story that produces a behavior a normative behavior, and so it becomes a mitzvah never to see the Egyptians again. God commands them that you won't, will never again want to see them as the source of your strength. Where does it appear in the Torah? In in Deuteronomy, where it says in Deuteronomy seventeen, it says, you know, watch out when you get a king, because the king is going to want more wealth, and he's going to want more horses, and he's going to take you back to Egypt to get those things. By the way, that is apparently true of the bible's co- picture of solomon that yes. solomon aligns with egypt to get wealth to get horses and ramban closes this thing that, closes this comment on our verse here exodus fourteen thirteen, 13 um, with i think a very powerful statement Shehi mitzvah lo tacha. this is not a promise that it's going to be okay this is a commandment that i am giving you not to look to Egypt again as the source of care and and you know the, the the it might be it might be sucky but they feed you and there's the Nile and there's the fish and there's the good food and no you must this is like instantiating what what Elliot was saying before that the people in their fear also need a mitzvah to be uh, courageous enough that they don't look to Egypt as the source of their life because it's not the source of life it's the source of death. And even though the the j- desert journey is going to be scary, you guys gotta you, you guys gotta tie it on and right. and walk into it.
1: All right. So so to continue with the 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 strategy here of reading the text. So we we have Pharaoh humiliation and and uh, frustration obsession. We have the people of Israel who are uh, exasperated but also um, beaten down, beaten down, and trampled upon upon in exhaustion um and we have let, let's 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 try and um understand Moses now so Moses Moses they're they they're yelling at Moses okay they say mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's better that we would have worked in Egypt than that we die in Egypt and die here in the desert I'll go back one verse mazota they ask him what did you do to us? Okay, and then Moses says, "You know, God will fight for you. St- you know, be be strong. God will fight for you, and be quiet." Okay, I'm I'm going to withhold criticism here of Moses, uh, um, and and ask you to to take take try and get into his head. What what is what what's going through his mind here?
0: I, I think that Kivya well, this is a kind of projection. This is Moses putting into the words of Israelites his own words. He is actually yelling at God, addressing God, because this is not the deal that Moses signed up for either. The deal that Moses signed up for was to take the Israelites out of Egypt. And that was going to be the end. Yeah. They're out of Egypt, and now... There's more impossible situations, and so, in the words of attributed to the Israelites, I hear Moses saying to God, "What have you done to us?
1: And what have you done for us when we need you right now?" So, you really think that that embedded in what Moses is saying to the people is really a critique of God, or a really a, a, it's not a critique, but a it's,
0: I, I think that underlying everything, um, something I, I've been thinking about these last several years, is that God never appears the way that we want him to. Yeah. But when we read the Torah, we think that he does. But in actuality, he doesn't. And it's always difficult because, you know, first, God is invisible. That's problem number one. Um, And if you ever saw the Prestige, great movie you know magic is not making something disappear it's making it reappear again mm-hmm. and god doesn't reappear all that often and i i think it's an existential problem we want god to be in their lives to whatever extent but we don't get
1: that and we don't quite know how to get it i mean, does god have a, a a purpose here in in really Giving this anguish, I mean that this this is a moment of real anguish for the people. I don't
0: think he's sitting or whatever. He's not meditating, saying it's time to stick it to the
1: Israelites. This is just how God is. Okay. So then, God. So so. uh, Any any more comments about Moses and what and what the what the feeling of Moses is, what the frustration or what you know? I I like the idea. This is not what I signed up for. I, I had a I had a different. Everybody has a different picture of what of what was supposed to happen, and, and nothing happens here according to what we think it it's supposed to happen.
0: So, I mean, again, you have to remember Moses the shepherd. He's thinking, "I know sheep, but this people."
2: So, you know, our, my my uh, by the time I ever knew him, he was very very sick, and and though I wasn't a class with him, uh, I didn't. Really get a lot out of Yochanan Muffs, but uh, he was was my congregant, and I did his funeral. and And his wife Yocheved was, uh, you know, very very big in our community. We just had her yard set a couple of days ago. Uh, Yochanan's article about prophecy, biblical prophecy, says, you know, listen, this. There's so many different images of the biblical prophet. Um, We have the literary prophets. You know and they tell these great speeches and they inspire vision of society. And we have, you know, we have sort of the law-giving prophets and um, you know, we have the people who work, you know, giving oracles or whatever. And then you have, like he says, Elijah and Elisha and some of Moshe is 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 like this wonder wonder worker who doesn't have any moral content to what they want to say. Like some of the stories that, that we get out of Moshe, and in the course of this parsha, we're going to get the 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 one where he hits the rock, the first time that he hits the rock. The one the one that happens in Bamidbar is he's not supposed to hit it, but in Exodus he's supposed to hit it, and and Yochanan writes in that article that um, you know one way to think about what people ask, what people expect, and and then of course he goes on to say that, and over time he becomes Moshe Rabbeinu, the the intellectual who studies Torah uh, in Jewish tradition, but. I think that one of the stories about Moshe, and Elliot, you were saying something about this uh, from from another book you were re- reading before we started recording, is that there's this guy who does these miracles, and he knows how to find the water in the desert, and he knows how to sweeten the bitter water, which will also happen in, in our parasha, and he makes the food up here out of nowhere. Mythological figure. It's a mythological figure. So I, I, I can't really answer... The fully rounded character of Moshe, as texts develop, as religion develops, is more than than the magic man who knows how to find the water in the desert. But I think part of the story that's going on here uh, is that he's got he's got certain kind of special powers. And so I'm gonna maybe tilt against the um it maybe I'm gonna tilt against the, you know, I didn't sign up for this thing. I'm gonna read some of these passages through the magic man quality and and think that that Moses does represent to the people someone who's kind of supernatural um and if we can then turn to like maybe because the story as we have received it isn't just a magic trick maybe the bit on the the hitting the rock and getting the water is a bit of a magic trick but the story that we have is is fully rounded the story it is involves moral content it involves theological content and my favorite verse is after moses gives that little speech you'll never see them again hold your peace god will fight for you then god says <inaudible> what are you yelling at me for talk to the children and tell them to start marching to me Part of this story is yeah, God does this amazing miracle, leads them across the sea. Part of the story is God cultivating in Moshe as an individual and the people as a group that they are also empowered. They are not helpless.
1: Well, so let me ask you this question. What 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 is God's motivation in saying that? Is is he saying it, you know, what's what's the music behind it? What's the what's the tone? Is he I, saying I, it in frustration or is he saying it in look, you know, no, here's I, what you I, gotta I, do. Here's what you gotta do. Go ahead.
0: I think then. he's clarifying a major point of religion. And we all know people who want to retreat and pray all day. And Rashi's comment on this verse is that it's not always appropriate to pray. Sometimes you have to act. Yeah, And that is a critical lesson in religion because a lot of times religion seems to be about withdrawal from the world when it's supposed to be about engagement. You know, there's a great statement, I think, attributed to the Baal Shem Tov, among others, that you cannot depend upon a miracle when you have something you can do. And um, you have to be able to act. And Moses, at least the way Rashi, following the, I assume, the Midrash, says that Moses, you know, thought it was time to daven.
1: But no, it's not time to daven. So again, you know, this this is a text that can leave uh us very confused. It leaves me very confused because on the one hand, you know, Read <bam>, the, the guide yeah. to the confused. Exactly. So on the one hand, God, you know, Moses says, Adonai Elochem Elochem, you're gonna God is gonna fight. And and then in a chapter, we're gonna get this whole big song that praises God you know really to the point God is a man of war uh he, he hurled God hurled the chariots of Pharaoh into the sea and and a lot of this is attributed to God the victory at the sea is attributed to God and and what what God is saying to Moses is the barrel Israel be so speak to them and go which is which is like go into the sea walk into the sea and and it's god saying do the impossible do do what seems to be um irrational
2: this is why you, you know they walked in the midst of the sea on dry land um that kind of you know venture against the absurd that's that's a piece of religion too um I, I, overall I'm I'm with, with Barry that, that, that this is an affirmation of human divine partnership, this is after all a religion of breed we have a covenant you do some stuff, we'll do some stuff and together we'll work and we'll see what we can make this place better, and that's I think the main theme, but there is there is also like some of this, you know, rage against the absurd walk, walk in the midst of the ocean, and for you it's dry land
1: yeah um, but it's okay, but lift up your Staff, unete et cast your hand Al Hayam Uvi Kaehu and split it. Right? Moses Moses is uh used to doing miracles, he's used to creating uh plagues, he's uh, turned his staff into a snake, he's turned water into blood, he's gotten frogs, etc. etc. Uh this this is new. <laughs> uh, but all the other ones were new. Some some would say that this is. Uh, an eleventh plague or 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 simply a miracle to split the sea by and and I mean there's a moment there where where if you were Moses, you'd say excuse me <laughs> you you I, I don't understand you want me to do what you want me to do what or or is Moses gonna say, okay, God, you said this to me and and therefore it's gonna happen um and and um and in fact, you know. The winds uh, are are gathered. And Moses, in verse 21, Vayet Moshe et Yado alayam, he casts his hand over the sea. Vayolech Adonai et Hayam, God moves the sea, beruach kadim azah kol alayal, in a strong wind all night. Vayasem et Hayam lecharava. And he makes the sea into dry land. Vayibaku amayim and the water split, it's, it's breathtaking, it's amazing. Yeah. So
0: there's a subtext here that's worth exploring, I think, and the question that the passage poses is can Moshe do anything without God? He yeah. is the conduit of the miracles, and you know, I was trying to think, the only thing that comes to mind immediately that Moses did without God was breaking the luchot, the tablets even his death was at the hand of God. And I think that for someone of a certain uh, spiritual mindset, this can be debilitating because it raises for Moses, I think, an issue of his own self-worth. Who is Moses? Is Moses a person who has his own identity, or is he a person immersed in God's identity?
2: I feel like you know there's a there's that uh, there there is the breaking of the tablets to which God says you know midrashically uh, uh, well done and there's this other the the date the dates of the revelation are confusing he's off the top of the mountain he's in the bottom of the mountain he's at the top of the mountain and I forget exactly how it works but the 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 midrash says or the where maybe the Gemara whatever. Moshe Hosif Od Yom the makom Moshe. Moses said, well, We've got to slow this down, we delayed delay by one day, and God says, oh, Yes, well done. I think that the, the rabbinic and the Moshe Rabbeinu, not the guy who knows the water in the desert, but the guy who knows how to study Torah, is ultimately, yes, capable of being a, a partner. So I, I think that. I'm not. I'm not using this to describe any given scene in the Torah, but in Judaism, I think Moshe is uh, powerful apart from just being a tool in God's hands and adequate, intellectually adequate, morally adequate to argue with God and to come up with some stuff on his own. And and that I think is like a hallmark of rabbinic Judaism.
1: I so so we we have to to bring this to a conclusion. It's um. It's a very complicated story it's a complicated story from all the characters and and the different kinds of ways that we can interpret them and 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 the chaos the confusion um and the the total total fear that the people have I, Jeremy you, you pull out that midrash for us just to yeah, kind of
2: another midrash this is from uh, the collection known as the Mechilta which is like a roughly Mishnaic era so end of the second, early third century, uh, verse by verse, um, uh, exposition of the book of Exodus and the midrash which is part of a little bit of a longer thing goes like this. Israel broke into four factions at the sea. One says, let's just jump in the sea and commit suicide. One says, all right, they caught us we're, we're going to go back and meekly become slaves again <laughs> one group says let's fight might be a suicide mission but we got to do what we can <laughs> let's scream before them it's possible that it means scream at the Egyptians and maybe try to intimidate them but I think it means pray to God Pretty cool. and if that's the case then and then Moses's speech is, is sort of directed at each of those groups but what what i think the vibe is is something like this you know you're in huge crisis we know that how it's going to end but they don't know how it's going to end and and so some people are just surrender to despair in two different varieties commit suicide or 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 you know allow yourself to be retaken to slavery and some people say you know let's let's go to war, uh, futile though that may be. And some people say,' let's, let's let God try to fix it for us And none of those are the right answer, right? Uh, then it does require uh, the breach and the partnership of people walking, people marching, people showing faith and, and trying to head forward. And I come away with that within it with uh, real spiritual resources for dealing with life and all of its difficulties.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a remarkable midrash, in the sense that that there's so many different ways that we we can encounter um, horrific events or or uh, events that that really scare us, and um, I think it's it it speaks to a truth in human reactions and human behaviors. Uh, I, I wonder if the, if it's only if there's only four. I wonder, you know, four, you know, four is a a, a useful frame uh that the rabbis have in many many um texts like this and um
0: well it's a typology because we have the four the arba minim, the four species that that's at, right it's a um, typology and it's and it, it fits well we have the four but what i want to say is that it makes an important point about what unity is thinking about the number of midrashim about the lulav and netrog um we sometimes think of unity as a blurring of distinctions But I think this midrash, as well as a number of other midrashim on four in um, various uh, religious texts, makes the point that unity is not the blurring of distinctions between the subgroups. It's standing together with those other people in Uh, their otherness. uh, That we stand together, even if we disagree, because we know that our community requires a unity
1: of purpose not necessarily of mind yeah nice a unity of purpose and not and they could be different motivations here they're going in and and these types of people are are all they're going to get to the other side and that that's you know we we know how it ends they get to the other side and, and they have trust in god and in moses and and the song is sung at least as it's presented here, and um, and it's a celebration. It's a moment of of joy that comes with all sorts of responsibility and things that will go in different directions um, following the um, the splitting of the sea. Well, if all goes well, yes. it should prepare us for revelation. Indeed. Okay. Yes, well, with that, we're going to have to just wrap it up. I don't know, if Jeremy, have had a, a final word there, but uh, we want to. Um, first say thank you to you for watching for listening and for being with us uh if this is your first week if this is your many weeks into this we really really appreciate your being with you and thank you for your steadfast loyalty and friendship to us we enjoy sharing Torah with you and again wishing uh for the speedy release of the hostages and the safety for our soldiers praying for them and hoping that everyone has a, a restful and good Shabbat, a quiet Shabbat for Israel. And we hope to see you again next week on the next edition of Hashem. Shabbat Shalom. Bye, shalom.